thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And welcome to today's show where we are bringing you, let me just say, (laughs) the angels sing and the earth moves. We have been flirting with this guy, not that he knows it, but we have been flirting with this guy for the last three years. And I remember when we first started up for a chat that this fellow's name came up in conversation as someone we admired, adored, looked up to, felt like he was one of us and a brother from another mother. And we felt like we were launching into a world which was similar to his where he had already created an amazing platform in the health and wellness sphere. So we are so excited, so blessed, so honoured and so excited to welcome the amazing, are you ready? The crowd goes wild. (sighs) Sean Croxton, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. It was a great introduction. Getting more and more dramatic as the days go. Yes, on. definitely. Do you think? Yeah. <laughs> so, Sean, to kick us off and to give our listeners a beautiful understanding as to who you are, in case there is anyone that has been living under a rock and isn't sure who you are, could you give us a brief background as to who you are and how you came to being to the Sean Croxton that we know today? Um, I'm just a curious guy. I like to study. I like to read books. I spend a lot of my time at used bookstores and, uh, I just like to put the pieces together and connect all the dots and try to get the best understanding of different topics, um, that I can. I started off in the health space, the holistic health space with a YouTube channel called underground wellness, which eventually turned into underground wellness radio, which is a podcast I launched back in 2008, long, long time ago. And, uh, stuck with that for about a good seven years. Years or so helped a lot of people. Wrote an ebook, did some online summits, had a lot of fun with that. Uh, kind of uh, that season in my end, or that season in my life, I should say, ended at about 2015, and I decided to do something different, and I decided to get into self-help, personal development, so I can help people to find that greatness that they have within themselves. And so I've been doing this for the last three years. I did another podcast called The Sean Croxton Sessions, where I interviewed personal development speakers and authors, and now I do a daily or a week daily um, podcast called The Quote of the Day Show, where I feature speakers from all over the world talking about different topics when it comes to personal development and growth. Well, that sounds right yeah. up my alley. Sean you've you've really affected a lot of lives you've impacted a lot of lives over the years and you know what's really amazing to me is when I think of when Kim Cindy and I put this podcast show together I remember our intention was to really be able to educate and get the message out to as many people as we possibly could and, you know, it takes a lot of tenacity because podcasts, you know, it's, it's, it's something that you've got to really be committed to. You know, it takes time. You do your research. You've got to do your recording. It takes a lot of effort. How have you found that your journey of podcasting has impacted your own personal expansion, your own personal experience through what you've learned through all the people that you've interviewed and worked with? How have you changed? Oh, gosh, I've just become more knowledgeable. I've gotten a greater understanding of myself. You know, as, as, as I said, um, I was in the health space for a, a quite a long time, a good seven or eight years. And I just know things about my own personal health that I otherwise would not have known if I did not do that podcast. If something comes up in my life, a symptom, a challenge, a question around health, um, I certainly know where to go for the information if I don't already have the information myself. Um, so that, that, that was the, the beauty of that particular 
particular podcast. And also what was really cool about that was being able to do what I do best, which was give experts the opportunity and the platform to get their message out to other people. And that's a, that's a really good feeling to have when you know you're helping so many people through one single podcast. Um, now in my personal development life that I've been in the last three years, that is just taking things to a whole other level. Because when I was working with nutrition clients, when I was doing functional diagnostic nutrition as a practitioner, you know, one thing that I found was that the clients who got better the fastest were the ones who had the best attitudes, the ones who had the best internal wiring, the ones who just, who just had their minds right. And I was wondering, I was curious about why, that, why it works that way. And so through um, reading the books I've read, through interviewing the people that I've interviewed, I've not only been able to teach others how to find that greatness within themselves, but also to pull that greatness out of myself as well. And so, you know, whether it be, you know, unraveling the self-talk, that negative self-talk that may stumble across my mind every so often, whether it be getting my mind right when it comes to money and relationships and all the other important aspects of my life, I've been able to turn that information into my job, you know, to not only learn it for myself, but to share it with other people. And so it's been a very beautiful thing. Sean, I'd like to um, figure out how do you get five people a week to come on your show like you're prolific I've you know I've been listening to you for years and years and years and years and you are prolific you have amazing guests how do you source them how do you find them is it through getting into that secondhand bookstore that you love to get into all the time and reading um yeah because sometimes like trying to find someone like at the moment I'm trying to get Joanna Blythman on our show who is the author of Swallow This she's an English writer and the only way you can get to her is via Twitter and she's just not answering me. I want to know how you do it. <laughs> well, well, for the quote of the day show, it's a five-day week show, so it's Monday through Friday. We actually don't get permission to, to feature the guest anymore. Uh, we actually had a good two-week period as I was growing the show where we're like, hey, let's reach out to all of the different speakers that we want to feature and get their permission to run this particular clip. But there's actually fair use laws that allow... Um, news agencies and journalists and whoever it may be to actually use content as long as it's done in a fair and positive way. And so, uh, again, we don't reach out. We use their stuff. But one thing that we make sure that we do on every single show is we plug the speaker's website. We plug their programs. We pro pro uh, plug the events that they may have coming up. And that way, we're marketing. We're just, I'm just providing pretty much free marketing for the person who's on the show. And so on the quote of the day show, I'm certainly not interviewing five people a week. I'm taking a small clip from a program that I may have found. Like I have access to all of the Nightingale Conant programs. Um, you know, they, they've allowed me to be able to have access to them. Uh, but also the content comes from YouTube. It comes from audible.com. It comes from programs that I just may have laying around on a hard drive. And so um, that's how that whole thing works. And, you know, for me, uh, typically my Mondays are just sitting around in my office watching personal development uh, seminars on YouTube and speeches on YouTube. And then I just find the best five clips that I can find and I take them and I put them in a folder. And then on Thursday or Friday, I record the intros and I record the outros and it's done. It's a very easy show to do. And honestly, like it's a pleasure to be able to do this show because I get to learn so much along the way. I used to have somebody, uh, Malik, who would, who would find the clips for me. And uh, he moved on about, I don't know, three, four months ago. And I've actually taken great pleasure in finding them myself. And uh, I don't mind. It's fun. Wow. That's amazing. But you did do underground wellness for seven years. And I listened to that. And that was you interviewing. You read the book and interviewed those people every single time. Oh, yeah. I, I not only read the book, I usually read the book twice, sometimes three times um, because I wanted to be able to know that guest book inside out, not just know them or know the book and the contents. I wanted to know who they were. So aside from reading the book, I would go online and get as much background information as I possibly could. And many times throughout their books, there's like little sentences here or there that tell you more about them. And it's, it's, you can tell there's something there, but they just didn't expand upon it. And so I noticed those things and I write them down or I highlight them or I underline them and put a B next to them for bio as in biography. And those are the things I want to talk to my guest about. So, you know, if I listen to like, for example, I believe that Howard Stern is 
the greatest interviewer on earth. And one thing about Howard Stern's interviews, and, and you may think that his stuff is raunchy and it can get pretty raunchy, but the interviews are on point. And the thing about his interviews is that they're very seldom about the book or the movie or the TV show. They're about the person's life. And if I can talk about the autobiography or the biography of that expert's life and what they've been through, as well as give a end, giving an in-depth interview on the book as well, there's a knowing and a liking and a trusting that the audience or the listener walks away with. And what we tend to do is we buy and we support the products and the services of people who we feel like we know, like, and trust. So I feel like that is my job to help to facilitate that knowing, liking, and trusting, and also to be able to conduct an interview that goes the extra mile. See, most people, and I'm not knocking this at all, most people who do podcasts, they don't read the book. They don't do very much background information. They're just kind of firing off vanilla questions. They ask a question, vanilla question again, and then there's an answer. And then there can be a question after that that has nothing to do with the first answer. I want my, my, uh, my, my questions, I want my, my interview to flow. There's got to be a flow. It's almost like writing a story or reading a story. And I feel like if I can create that type of interview, I've done my job and I've done a service, not only for my business, but for the listener as well as the guest who's on the show. And there's been so many times where the guests will be like, oh my God, like, how do you know all this stuff about me? Oh my God, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so blown away by how well you know the, the, the content of my books out there. And, you know, I'm not a very good networker, like an in-person networker. If you ever saw me at a seminar, I would probably be in the room while the seminar is going on. But as soon as there's a break, I'm going off somewhere by myself. And so for me, interviewing people has become a great way to network and also has been a, been a great way to build real relationships and real friendships. Some of my best friends are people who I interviewed on the show. Like that's how we met. That is absolutely amazing. So tell me, of all the interviews you've done, do you have one that was absolutely life-changing for you um, or that you can say was your best? Do you have that? I know you've done a lot, but do you have that? There were two. Um, one B would be my interview with Bob Proctor. Um, that just, you know, Bob had been in the game for 55 years. I think Bob was maybe 81 or 82 when I interviewed him and just to allow Bob to talk about things that he had never talked about before, um, to ask him those questions that really get to the heart of himself, um, really, really made me feel good and made him feel good as well. And there's a moment there where, where I think Bob Proctor almost cried, which is cool. Now, that's not something I'm, I'm proud of. Like, I'm trying to make people cry. But if I can get an emotion, you know, out of my guest. And when I say get an emotion, what's significant about it to me is that my guests have been interviewed hundreds, if not thousands of times. And it becomes kind of rote. It becomes kind of like, you know, manufactured, kind of canned. But if I can get an emotion out of somebody who's been interviewed a thousand times, I feel like um, I'm doing a really, really great job and I'm tapping into a part of that guest that's never been tapped into to before on that platform through that medium. Now, 1A will be Nicole Lappin, who is the author of Rich Bitch as well as Boss Bitch. And, you know, thank you to my, my assistant, my lovely assistant, Katie, who found some, some information, some background information on Nicole that we were unaware of. I was able to give Nicole the opportunity to talk about her father, who happened to be a surgeon who invented bloodless surgery and became a hero amongst the, um, what do you call them, Jehovah's Witness community because uh. they can't do blood transfusions. It's against mm. their religion. And so um, to read a book about him, a book about him that was written in the 1970s, and to give her the opportunity to talk about something that she has never talked about before. And I will tell you, if you listen to that, to that interview, it's the first interview I did with her, you know, in the beginning of the interview, she's very, you know, hey, Sean, how's it going? Da -da 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 -da, right. And that's all good. You know, lots of energy. But about five minutes later, she was floored. And the rest of the interview was just, it was tears and it was sobbing and it was 
you know, almost therapeutic for her and very cathartic for her to finally get this story out. Um, did she want to maybe, did she want to give that story on a podcast, you know, as opposed to like a really big interview? I don't know, but I, I definitely enjoyed the opportunity to bring that out of her, to give her that platform, that opportunity. And uh, I'm sure, you know, she enjoyed it as well. Hmm. I'm going to have to go listen to that one, most definitely. Sean Croxton's Typical Day. How do you, I know you live in San Diego, um, for people that's below LA um, on the west coast of America. So, because um, most of our, many of our listeners are Australian. So how do you, do you, how does your day start and what time does it start? I'm a very routine individual. Well, my day starts at 5 a.m. I roll out of bed and I sit my butt down and I meditate. I do transcendental meditation for 20 minutes in the morning. I will jump in the shower, rinse off because I just, I just have to rinse off before I go to the gym and I'll go to the gym. I'll do maybe 20 to 30 minutes of interval training. I'll do some weights after that. I'll come home. I'll um, make whatever breakfast I might make for that day, get in the shower and then I'm at my desk. Uh, sometimes I go to a coffee shop like I did today. Sometimes I'll just stay at home in my office or in my, what I call my work room, and I will just work on whatever I need to work on for that day. Uh, typically, it's writing the newsletter for the day. I like to get the newsletter out by 9 a.m. on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, which has kind of become Tuesday, fr- Tuesday Wednesday, Friday lately. Um, open rates are low on Monday mornings, and so I've kind of switched over to Tuesday because the open rate goes is a little bit higher. Um, and uh, that's it. Once I'm done with that... I just read for the rest of the day. Like I, I order books much faster than I can read them. And so I'm just always trying to chip away, you know, at that 10,000 hours that they say you, you need to become a, a real genius and true expert at something. And so every day I'm knocking away at some hours and uh, trying to get closer to my goal, which is to be in the top 1% of this personal development, personal growth industry. I was curious about that in terms of your purpose, like what's, what drives you now, you know, um, with the reading and the, and the ferocious consu- con, uh, consumption of, of information and knowledge and understanding and comprehension and then obviously the connection. With being the top 1% in the personal development industry, what's behind that? Why do you want to do that? Because I want to help people to, to find out, to, to learn and to discover what they're capable of. I want people to have the awareness of who they are, what their powers are, that their current circumstances don't have to be that they, the way that they are forever, that you have control over this by way of the way by way of your thoughts by way of your beliefs by way of your feelings by way of your actions and reactions and your responses to life i want people to understand that their greatest power is the power to choose and that if they choose to take responsibility for their lives that they can do whatever it is that they want to do like that's that's what fires me up and you know i don't know where all of this came from for me, like why I'm just so obsessed with this. Maybe it's because I've applied it so much to myself. You know, there was a time in my life where I, I just didn't think that anything was possible. I thought I might be a personal trainer for the rest of my life. Not that there's anything wrong with being a personal trainer. I thought that, you know, I would be broke for the rest of my life, just barely getting by. But something at some point just kind of flipped the switch and let me know that I am in control here. I can do this. And there was, you know, parts of my um, younger, earlier childhood and adolescence that showed me that, you know, I can do anything I set my mind to. Like I knew it consciously, but at the same time, I wasn't really applying it the way that I could have. And, you know, for me, I just believe that anything that I want to accomplish within the, the laws and the bounds of nature, I can do. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. I can do that as long as I create the image, hold that image on the screen of my mind, get myself in the feeling of that wish fulfilled, of that goal accomplished, and elevate my consciousness to a point where it matches what I'm going after. And, you know, that's what I do for myself, and that's what I'm looking to, to encourage others 
to do. And, you know, that's the beauty of the quote of the day podcast is that I don't have to lecture people every day. I can allow somebody new to come in every single day and just give somebody just a morsel of wisdom that they can chew on throughout the day to open up themselves to a brand new experience and a brand new understanding of who they are inside. I love that. A morsel of wisdom to chew on. Oh, Cindy, we must have that in the notes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, Sean, who inspires you? I'm hearing Esther Hicks. I'm hearing Wayne Dyer in there. I'm hearing, you know, like a lot of people who who, have been talking about this sort of stuff. Who even, I and, and believe it or not, I was looking at Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich and I was looking back at even further than that, like ancient wisdom. Um, I'm a big fan of ancient wisdom in a modern life and I just love the whole um, ancient philosophies of Eastern philosophies versus Western, which is relatively new. But I just, I'm hearing so many, I'm hearing so much inspiration and obviously your own direct experience, your own personal experience, which I think kind of transcends belief and puts it into a state of knowing when you've applied it to yourself. And I think, we miss that in today's society. I feel like we have a lot of belief systems, but we don't have a lot of direct experience. Right. What and, is, and, who, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I was going to say, I mean, who inspires you to, and I know that you do speak with lots of people, but who was the catalyst and, and, and why? And, and explain that journey to me. I think that the catalyst was, John D. Martini was probably the first one. Wow. Um, I remember I was having some financial mindset issues and a, a book. I had this huge following on underground wellness, you know, just 30,000 YouTube fans when that was a really big deal. Um, and at the same time, I wasn't generating any income from it because I had some blocks when it came to my money mindset. And a friend of mine sent me a, um, audio recording via email. And I remember the subject line was, listen to this now. And it was an interview with John Martini, Dr. John Martini, And I, I listened to that thing hundreds of times. I just over and over and over and over and over again. He's talking about values. He's talking about money mindset. And, you know, it's the one thing that made me realize that the reason I did not have financial abundance in my life is because finances just weren't something that I valued. It just wasn't really high in my hierarchy of values, as he says. And so that was, uh, that kind of started all off, you know, in a, in a more minor way. There were other books, you know, before that, but I think that was the one that really opened my, my eyes and allowed me to go, oh, you know, this really sounds like me. You know, this is my issue. And this is what I need to work on. I set about immediately to start working on my values and as they relate to finances. And I was able to make big changes in my life because of that. I was able to have proof there like, hey, when you put this into practice, it really works. And very soon thereafter, I, I launched a product and then I launched my ebook, which turned into online summits. And, you know, I remember when he said that, um, the, your, the amount of money that you have, something to, the, to this, to this uh, sort. He says that the amount of money that you have will always be in direct proportion to the quality and the quantity of the service that you're providing. And I just wasn't providing the amount of service that I needed to provide at the time in order to generate the income that I wanted. So it really lit a fire under me. So it went from John Martini to... Bob Proctor to, or maybe to Napoleon Hill to Bob Proctor, or maybe it was Napoleon Hill first a long time ago, which eventually led to Dr. Martini, which led to Bob Proctor, which led to Tony Robbins, which led to Lisa Nichols, who I, I absolutely adore. Um, but now I'm getting into not so much Eastern philosophy. I have a whole section in my library with Eastern philosophy, but I'm actually looking at some of the old school writers from the late 1800s and early 1900s, such as Ralph Waldo Trine, who wrote the book uh, In Tune with the Infinite, or William Walker Atkinson, who who wrote the book uh, The Power of Concentration. I believe he wrote that under a pen name. Um, These are the books about the law of attraction that preceded um, Napoleon Hill's work, or The Master Key System is another book that I absolutely love that a lot of people haven't heard about. Florence Scovel Shen, who wrote The Game of life and how to play it. Like those are the books that I absolutely love. Um, moving forward, 
uh, 1960s, 1970s would be Neville Goddard. I love Neville's work, you know, scriptural interpretation, Joseph Murphy's scriptural interpretation, just making sense of the scripture as it relates to life today and our prosperity and our deserving and our deserved right to living an abundant life. And so, you know, that was a kind of a long answer, but there's, there's so many different influences in my life. And it's like one book leads to another book, which mm-hmm. leads to another book. And it's uh, the amount of books that I have in my home right now, I'll probably never be able to read all of them in the course of my life, but it's just an amazing thing to be surrounded by so much wisdom every day, all these words, all these pages, all this, all this knowledge. And so it's a pleasure for me to be able to dive into it every day and just become a better person. And through becoming a better person and raising my consciousness, I get to go out there and serve people um, on another level every single day. Oh, that's just amazing. Just listening to those books, I've just been writing furiously. <laughs> yeah, likewise. <laughs> the power of concentration. That was the only one I missed. Was that? That was William Walker Atkinson. I think he wrote that under uh, Theron Dumont. T H E R O N for the first name. Last name was Dumont. D U M O N T. He wrote under a, a few different names. Another one is uh, Robert Collier who wrote an amazing book, one of my favorite books of all time, called The Secret of the Ages. That's one that I've read many, many times. Very much about the law of attraction. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, you can tell that these people's philosophies, whether it be Atkinson, Dumont, slash Dumont, or uh, Collier, Florence Goebel Shin, they were very instrumental in the education of Napoleon Hill. And Napoleon Hill just did the best marketing you know, and so, um, yeah, it comes check down out. to that sometimes, doesn't it? Very much. You can have the, the, the greatest message in the world. You know, you can have the greatest service, the greatest product in the world. But if your marketing isn't quite there, you know, if you're not building your email list and, and things of that sort, which I'm sure we all know about, um, you know, there's a good chance that nobody will ever hear what you have to say. You know, I, there's so many, I always talk about the authors who send me books you know, quite frequently. They, Can I send my book and da, 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 And those books will just sit on my shelf for years. And I may never get to them in my whole entire life. Why? Because there was no marketing. But I don't know who this person is. There was zero marketing. So um, if you're going to be an author, if you're going to be an expert, it's, it's definitely important for you just to learn the basic principles of marketing, such as, you know, squeeze pages, building your email list, getting them to a thank you page, having some type of autoresponder, having some consistent content that people can consume to get to know you better, to get to know, like, and trust you. And that way, you know, through your sharing, through your community, um, you'll be able to generate more sales for the products that you're creating. Yeah, because we all have to make a living at the same time. Sean, I would love to ask you personally, I know that a lot of our listeners would not have the time or um, maybe even the space to create a, uh, the, the inkling to read the books that you're talking of. And a lot of our listeners are mums and they've got one, two, three, four kids. And a lot of them are men who are working two jobs. So in your opinion, how would you get that education, that insight? Is, it, is there another way for people that may not have the same time or the afternoon to do this? And I know it's about prioritizing, but I'm just trying to keep it real in a world where life is incredibly challenged with time. Fit it in. Um, if you're driving in your car, there's audible.com. And if you're driving a half hour a day, 15 minutes to you know, um, school or to, to drop your kids off and 15 minutes back, you can listen to an audio book. You can listen to an audio program. Uh, there are many parents who say they listen to the quote of the day show every day on their way to dropping their kids off at school. And they say their kids love it as well. Um, you know, squeezing in 15 minutes a day on your own personal development over, we will even exclude the weekends. Um, 15 minutes a day over five days is what, a little bit over an hour, an hour and 15 minutes every single week that you can get into your own personal development, which is a good five hours a month as well, which over the course of the year is going to be 60 hours, which is one and a half work weeks of working on yourself and learning more about yourself. And so what I'm saying is that, you know, one of my greatest philosophies or the, my greatest philosophy on life, the one that I hold most dearly to me is that little by little, a little becomes a lot. 
And it doesn't matter if it's five minutes or it's 10 minutes or it's 15 minutes or it's one minute a day. As long as you are just continuing to add up these minutes over time, you're going to look back and you can be like, oh my God, look how much I've learned about myself. But so often we get caught up as I, and I don't have the hour. I don't have the two hours. I don't have the three or four hours that Sean has to do it. You don't have to have that. I have a completely different goal than you have. I have a goal to be in the top 1%. I have a goal to leave a legacy on this world. I want people long after I'm gone to be like, yeah, just like people talk about Napoleon Hill, I want them to say the same thing about myself, right? Now that's my goal. So I'm going to be a little bit different, but for anybody else, just get those minutes in every single day while you're in the shower. I listen to Wayne Dyer all the time when I'm in the shower five-minute shower, five-minute shower, you know, five days a week, or actually I take a shower seven days a week. That's 35 minutes of Wayne Dyer that I get. That's two hours of Wayne Dyer. So again, these little bits, they add up over time. Do not look at them as if they are insignificant because they're not. And that's what I love about podcasts. You, know, you don't have to be even longer. What was that? <laughs> Sorry. What happened I there? delay. <laughs> A teenage son would get a lot longer. My my son has a lot longer in the shower than mine. I'm so sorry about my internet. Um, But my. (laughs) Hey, um, Sean, while I've got you here, I just would love to ask you, and I do apologize for my internet where I am. But I just wanted to say to you, I just, you've nailed it. You love, you are absolutely epitomizing what the three of us continuously express to, to our listeners and to our audiences. I want to just change tact a little minute. Sean, we know that everybody in life has tough times. We know that everybody in life struggles with love, finances, time, relationships, parents, the whole thing. There is no doubt every single one of us can be hit by a Mack truck and we can absolutely fall to our knees with moments that we did not see coming. I want to ask, firstly, I'm sure yourself you have been struck with these. And secondly, could you give us your top one, two, three, five tips to encourage people how to get out of those holes, those zones, when we are feeling like life is hopeless? Uh, you want an example of that for me? Yes, please. Okay. Um, I, you know, 2018 has been um, a rougher year than usual. For me, uh, I think the, the, my biggest lesson that I've learned or something that really had me down for a while was I overinvested in one of my companies and I overinvested in the jerk bar. And um, when we got the bars back, don't, don't get me wrong when I say this, the bars are still very good, but the bars did not come back the way that I wanted them to come back. And I allowed some other individuals to have responsibility for things that, you know, when it was my money, I should have had more responsibility and I should have been more present to what was going on within the company. And, you know, just to see a hundred thousand dollars like gone and sitting on a shelf. um, And I didn't really truly, truly love the bars was very, very difficult for me because I have a hard time promoting something that I'm not completely in love with. Fortunately, the consumers, the people who bought the bars, they really like the bars. And that's the thing about the, the food space is that, you know, taste buds are going to vary. And the, the bars, as we had formulated them, I knew what they tasted like, but the bars that we got back weren't quite the same. The chocolate bar is amazing. The other two, you know, just, just didn't really do it for me. Um, so, so that was tough, just knowing that I overinvested, knowing that I put myself in a slight financial pickle was challenging. There were days where I woke up and I was like, I had a hard time forgiving myself for being so irresponsible when it came to that investment. And so, and that's something I don't normally do. You know, normally I just, I just, I nail stuff. I think about things. I I, am very aware of what's going on and I very seldom will just write a check without thinking about it. And I think that that's what's bothered, what has bothered, what bothered me, I should say about that situation. And, you know, there were some pretty rough weeks and it's okay you know, to have rough weeks. That's just life. Life is going to be all about ups and downs. And the thing about, let's start in, in terms of tips that I can give. These are things that I just did for myself. Number one is I had to understand that after every breakdown is a breakthrough. And that is so, so huge for me. It's something I learned maybe 10 years ago at a seminar that I took that every time we have a down in life, it is followed with an up. It's just the law of rhythm, you know, when it comes to life. Um, Also, that there was a lesson 
inside of that issue, of that problem. And also the third thing is that every problem that we encounter in life, if we really get quiet about it and we really sit and we meditate about it and we really trust our minds and we really trust our divine connection to something out there that is way bigger than ourselves, we understand that for every problem that we have, there's always a solution. You know, as Mel Robbins says, if it's a, you know, if there's no solution to your problem, then it's not really a problem because you know, there's nothing you can do about it. And so um, we were able to come up with some solutions for what we were going through. And we were able to, to really capitalize on that and really make it into a positive. And um, I think that would really be it. It's just to know that everything in life happens for a reason. It happens for us. It happens, you know, on the way instead of in the way, as uh, Dr. Martini would say. And it's just, uh, it's an opportunity. And so one thing that I've been pretty good about over the last, you know, many years is to understand like, hey, there's an opportunity here. And as Napoleon Hill says, what's he say about uh, failure? Failure is, um, there's a seed of equivalent benefit in every failure that we have. Not that the jerk bar has been a failure by any means. I think it's going to be one of the biggest bars in the world, but we had a hiccup along the way and it's okay. Hope that made sense. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I was just, I'm just looking at your ingredients on your jerk bar and everything that you're saying about it. Um, so I'm an ingredient reader. I would look at this and you know, I would be so happy with it because of the ingredients that you've chosen. What was it that you didn't like about it? It's, um, so let me give you an example. The vanilla almond bar was, when we did the mock-ups for it, and the mock-ups are handmade. Yeah. And when I ate the mock-up, it was the best bar I've ever had in my life. Like it was just hands down the greatest thing ever. And what had happened was when we sent them off to be produced, they were so moist that they weren't going through the machines properly. And, you know, I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm just, just telling you the story here is that one of the guys on our team, we, they, they, they did a tweaking of the formulation. And they did the tweaking of the formulation without seeing how they were going to taste when they came through the machines. And so when they were done and I had a couple of bars shipped, a couple of boxes shipped to me, you know, so I can do some photo shoots for them for the website. It was the first one I tore right into the vanilla almond box. So excited to eat this best bar ever. And I took one bite of it and I was like, it's not a terrible bar, but it's not the bar that we formulated. It's not the bar that we expected. And so I was really, really upset about that because, you know, that was a third of the money that I paid. And this is just one of the realities of having a physical product. When you have a digital product and there's a mistake or something doesn't come out the way that you want it to, then you can reshoot it or rewrite it or re-record it and do whatever you want, then replace it and it's done. Um, but when you have several thousand boxes of it, uh, it can be a real problem. Again, the fortunate part of it is that the reviews, um, since the last time I looked, have been phenomenal for that particular bar. And so taste buds vary. And so um, even though it's not the same bar, it's still a great bar. And um, I was a little bummed about the fact that we had replaced cinnamon raisin, which was a great breakfast bar that people enjoyed. However, at the same time, it's a slower seller. It I was really bummed about the fact that we had replaced that one with this vanilla almond bar. Um, the cherry bar is still a good bar. People like it. However, it's a little bit sweeter than I thought that it should have been. And so I was a little bit bummed about that. And so it's all about, you know, what you send out sometimes isn't what you get back. And that's the reality that I learned about this business. And it was a lesson. I'm, I'm, a, I'm very schooled in digital products. That's my thing. And, you know, this is the first time I've ever done a real physical product and, you know, there's going to be a learning curve for it. And I'm glad that it happened because it'll never happen again. And uh, I just can't wait to do our next run of bars sometime next year and to really put these bars on the map. Because, you know, the more I go out and I look at uh, food bars, the more I see real food on them made with real food, 100% real, this, that, and the other. And so the industry is moving toward the principles of being what we call JERF approved. And so um, now it's just going to be all about um, getting all of our 
ducks in a row and doing the marketing that we need to do to really make this bar what we know that it can, it can be. Yeah, that's the, the sad thing that's happening at the moment. Um, with the, the, I don't know if you've noticed this, um, Sean, but um, I, in March this year, I think it was February, March this year, my husband and I went to the Natural Expo and most of it was saying it was natural. Most of it was saying it was, you know, non-GMO, um, organic, and it was all junk food. I was just absolutely stunned that people were still putting in natural flavours, natural colourings, um, rosemary extract, all of these things into something that, and, and, then, and we know what's behind those words. So it's so exciting. I'm, I'm in America in December, so I'll be looking for those bars. Kim, Kim asked you for um, five tips of how to get out of a hole if you are in that situation. Can you um, let us know what those tips would be for someone who is devastated about something? Yeah, number one is, 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 is to know that after every breakdown is a breakthrough. You know, every time in your life that you've gone through something, you have gotten through it. You know, you went through it, that there, there was another side to it. And so I think that's, again, something that's been very important for me is to still be mindful and aware of the fact that when you're going through something, it's not permanent unless you allow it to be. There is going to be an end. There is going to be another side. Number two would be that there is a solution for every problem. And many times we're looking for a solution outside of ourselves or we're blaming somebody outside of ourselves for that problem. Now, what we have to do is take responsibility. And when I say take responsibility, I don't mean blame yourself, but consider yourself able to respond to whatever situation that you're in. To know that, hey, if you're in a hole, it is up to you to get yourself out of it. And if you don't make that choice, if you don't take responsibility for getting out of that hole, then you may never get out of it. You know, and so, and so that would be number two. Number three, let me think, will be, you know, understand... Um, what I learned from Bob Proctor, which is the law of rhythm. And this even goes back to um, breakdown and breakthrough that the tides of life, sometimes the tide is in and sometimes the tide is out. And if you read anybody's biography who has ever done anything significant in this world, you will see that sometimes they go through bad times. Maybe even half the times they go through bad times, but every time they get through those bad times, they were better than they were before. Because it's going through the hard times that allows us to grow. It's almost like the hard times are set up for us. It's like the universe says, okay, it's time for you to grow a little bit or a lot of bit. So here's going to be a challenge for you. If you're not challenged by something, if there are no obstacles in your life, you are not growing. And so your perception of the problem is all important. The way that you look at it, if you look at it as something that's insurmountable, if you look at it as something that is just causing you all of this undue stress, if you're looking at it that way, then that's the way it's going to be. But if you take a moment to re-perceive it and see it for what it really is, which is an opportunity for growth, then you know that you can get through it. It may not be tomorrow that you'll be through it. It may not be a week that you get through it. But at some point, a month from now, a year from now, you will be through it. And yes, it'll be painful. You know, we're so afraid of pain in our lives. We don't want anything to hurt. We're always trying to avoid pain. But if we just accept that pain as feedback from the universe, if we take it as feedback from somewhere that, hey, again, this is an opportunity, then I think that there's nothing that you really can't get through. That probably wasn't five. It might have been three, but that's what I got for you. Well done. I think it's brilliant. So I have a question about a time in your life um, when you went from underground wellness to the self-help realm. What was that like? Um, like you were thriving in underground wellness. I, I didn't know anybody who wasn't listening to you in Australia. Like everybody was talking about you. So what was it like when you left that space and moved into a different space? Was it hard, um, challenging? No. Um, I wouldn't say it was hard. I would say it was liberating. Um, I would say that it was more difficult than I expected, but it was definitely liberating. It was certainly freeing. It's, I, I couldn't imagine still doing underground wellness right now. Um, Lisa Nichols has a saying, she says, passions have seasons. And, you know, sometimes that season has to end. 
And for Underground Wellness, that season had ended. It had been seven years. It had been 300-something episodes. It would be, had been three online summits. Actually, no, seven online summits. And it was just something where, um, you know, how many different ways can you recommend that people eat real food? And it got to the point where it became a platform for that particular expert's their trademark, I don't know, their cause. You know, if, if, if you had some type of symptom, the hormone person is going to say it's an adrenal problem. The nutrition person is going to say it's a vitamin D deficiency. The other person is going to say you have a, a detox issue. Somebody else is going to say you've got candida and dysbiosis and such and such. It just became became weird. And I felt like it was confusing the audience more than it was teaching them. You know, they say that uh, students in medical school, they become, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for, kind of hypochondriacs, where all the stuff that they're studying, they just become hypochondriacs and they keep thinking that they have all the, these different diseases because they, they're studying them all the time because they continue to put energy into those diseases. That's what they think about it. That's what consumes them. And wherever you put your attention on, that's where, you know, your energy is going to go. I felt like that's what we were doing to my audience. And it was an incredible opportunity to be able to help people to discover um, what may have gone, was going on with them inside. But at the same time, it just stopped being fulfilling to me. Mm-hmm. And I got tired of, you know, uh, to some extent, not, not completely, but to some extent, reading the same book over and over and over again. And I just wanted to do something new. And as I said, when I was a practitioner, I found that regardless of like, you know, not that I was putting people on all kinds of protocols, uh, if they had the same problem, but the people who had the best attitudes, the people had, who had that, that, that sense of belief, the people who had that enthusiasm, the people who had their minds right, they were the ones who got better. And the people who didn't get better, better were the people who just had the most thinking, thinking. And it just made me believe that, hey, there is something beyond this nutrition stuff. There's something beyond this holistic health stuff. And what it really had to do with was people's thoughts, people's feelings, um, the, the circumstances that they found themselves in and the control of the agency that they felt that they had over these circumstances and conditions. And so that's why I wanted to get more into the mind. It was something that I've been dabbling in for a while, but as time went on, I started to see that, you know, where my library was once 90% health books and 10% business and marketing and personal development, it started to flip around the other way. And I found that the people who I interviewed about personal development, those were the interviews that I enjoyed the most by far. And I found that the audience actually responded to them as well. For me, it's all about the audience response. And that's one of the reasons why I haven't failed many times in this space is because I'm always paying attention to what the audience is responding to. You know, what are they asking for? And so it was, uh, again, it was liberating. It was freeing. It was harder than I expected it to be. And this was just my ignorance at the time. I thought that, you know, I had these 230,000 people on my email list and they were all about health. And if I switched to personal development, they were going to be all about personal development. And I found that that was not the truth. And I found that my open rates for my emails went down a lot. People just weren't opening the emails because it wasn't what they signed up for. They signed up for health and I was given a personal development. And so it was a really interesting situation for probably two years where when I was writing emails, I didn't know who I was writing to. And I felt like my writing was kind of suffering. But every four, five, six months, we would just keep deleting people off the list. People who weren't opening emails, we would just get rid of them. Then I finally got to the point where I felt like, okay, these are my people. And that's where I'm at right now. When I send out an email to my list, I'm like, okay, it just flows. Sometimes I write those things in 10 minutes or less. I'm just, I just get it out. I know they're going to love it and it's done. And then they go listen to the quote of the day show. And starting the quote of the day show, you know, I was talking to, I was hanging out with Jake Ducey a couple of weeks ago. Um, He's in the personal development space. And it's just amazing when you're patient, how much something can grow. And I think, you know, if anybody out there is, a, is, a, is, a, is a looking to become an expert in their space, who's looking to become an expert online, you have to understand that you're not going to blow up over, overnight. 
you know, and he asked me, he says, um, Jake asked me, how many people are listening to your podcast now? I said, we get about 20,000 listeners every single day. And he's like, oh my God, that's crazy, man. Because I asked you the same question last year and you said 5,000. And so it's just growing and growing and growing every single week. And like I said, I could not imagine being in the health space anymore. And that's not a knock on the health space. It's just that it wasn't for me anymore. That's for somebody else to do. And did I leave, you know, a, a multi, a, a, yeah, it was a multi-million dollar business. Yes, I did. But it doesn't matter if you can give me all that money right now, I will not take the misery in exchange. Absolutely not. Uh, you know, Sean, I agree with you entirely. Wow. Yeah. It, it, it just, it's what's happening at the moment is that there seems to be um, oh, if this is your problem, it could be glyphosate. If this is your problem, it could be vaccines. If this is your problem, it could be you just need that organ out. And it's, it is getting like that. So I applaud you for what you have done. And, um, you know, I love, it, I love your, your space um, with what you're doing right now. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Thank you. So I want to add to I want to add, thank you, my pleasure. I want to add to what you just said. I think one turnoff with the health and nutrition space is the, the religiousness of it all, how people can turn their thoughts and, you know, about health and their beliefs about it and what they eat. They turn into this religion. It becomes this controversial, like, war become, between all these different, I don't know, these different groups and that energy was just not something that I wanted to be a part of. And, um, you know, I, I'm all about respecting different opinions and, you know, just, just looking at it for myself and just seeing, you know, how it fits amongst all the other things that I, I, I've studied and being very open-minded. And I just found that there's a, not, not completely, because, you know, it's where you put your attention, but in that space, there is so much, there can be, so much vitriol amongst the different groups and it's just a huge turnoff to me and i that's why i love being in this personal development space because there's not that whole thing going on you know there's just it's just people trying to live better lives and nobody's like warring between tony robbins and bob proctor and dr d martini and lisa nichols ways you know like that person's wrong like there's none of that stuff going on. And to me, it just feels so much better to be doing what I'm doing right now. And, you know, I think that it takes, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but it takes courage to make the switch. And I know that there are people out there right now who may not want to be in the space that they're in anymore, who may not want to be at the job that they're at anymore. And it takes courage to say, okay, this is no longer, for, no longer, no longer for me. I'm going to set myself up so I can start to step away. Now, here's the thing. I want to make sure I, I, I make sure that your listeners know this. It wasn't like I was broke and walked away from it. I did have several years of money saved up which made it a whole lot easier. And so make sure if you're going to do something like that, you set yourself up financially so you don't really take a huge hit. You know, they say leap and you'll grow your wings on the way down, but sometimes those wings can grow pretty slowly. So make sure you're, you know, you have your stuff in order before you jump. <laughs> you know, I think that that's probably the best advice by far. I, my sister has always been um, like a mentor in my world and it was really, really interesting. And I'm listening to everything that you're talking to Cindy about um, Sean there in terms of, you know, the, 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 how confusing that message was, but I'm also really feeling how that experience was for you personally when you made that decision to do the shift. I remember, and I've spoken about this a couple of times on the podcast, it was July, 2017. And I've been doing the same thing for 11 years and I got to a point where I simply couldn't do it anymore. I just couldn't. I couldn't, I could not make myself do it. And I've been making myself do it for a while. And it was that breakdown moment where I really had to take my hands off the wheel and realise that there was going to have to be something bigger than me that stepped in to participate in my life with me because I simply couldn't do it. And there was that side of me that's very pragmatic, you know, that's like, well, hang on a second, I still have to pay the mortgage and if I don't pay my credit card, no matter how spiritual I am, the, the credit card company is still going to call me on Monday. So, <laughs> you know, there, that, that, there was that whole um, realisation of the necessity to be pragmatic and 
don't make the jump until you've got at least a sprout of a wing coming through. Absolutely. It's so true and I I really feel for the courage that you speak of when you say to make those changes. It does take courage but on very physical levels but also a metaphysical level because there's a huge change that's occurring inside of you that requires an enormous amount of trust that a lot of us don't reach or we don't we don't know how to how to trust that everything's going to be okay and and to trust that we will pull ourselves out of it and that we will come up with the answers and that there hasn't been a question in the history of time that doesn't have an answer and it's really being able to trust in that that whole process and it just if a friend of mine actually put me onto a book and I don't know if you've read it it's called the artist's journey by a man called Stephen Pressfield and um, it's kind of like the book that you would read after you've read after you've read the um, Hero's Journey by Joseph Campbell. Right. Now I've read the Hero's Journey, but very briefly here and there, I've, I've got a little bit bored with it here and there. But the Artist's Journey is kind of like your second act, and I've just finished it last night, and it was just so appropriate for this conversation. He talks about how um, now there's. There's, you're following something that's always been in you but not always of you and your muses surround you and you, you, you move from that state of physicality to metaphysicality to get your answers and to get your inspiration and to get your in, intentions and what's going to come for me today and really being able to, I guess, tap into the neuroscience and the... Um, the holistic part of what it means to be human in order to get your answers to the questions rather than necessarily um, following somebody else's path. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And for me, what it's really about is opening up myself to just a, a greater source of wisdom. One thing about me is I listen to my intuition my intuition is almost always right. It's right 99% of the time. And if, when it's wrong, it's usually wrong. And it's leading me somewhere where I should have been going in the first place. It's, yeah. And so um, I think a lot of us have learned not to trust our imagination or our intuitions, I should say. And it's just been something I've always been good with. There's just a, there was not even a, a still small voice. It was like a loud voice within me saying, this space is no longer for you your calling is somewhere else and you know exactly where that calling is. It is the place where you spend many hours a day reading so you can improve yourself. And that was the thing that, that happened with underground wellness. I was reading books on health and food and all of these things. And that voice said, Hey, there's this brand new thing called YouTube. Let's go share this with some people. And I was just hearing that same voice in the personal development space. And, you know, there's different, there's laws of the universe, as you all may know. And I really believe that when you follow those laws, life just has a way of working itself out. And you know, as I was talking about on my podcast, it may have been last week, is I knew the what. I knew what I wanted to do. And I think that for a lot of people, they don't pursue the what because they feel like they need to know the how as well. And my initial plan when I got into the personal development space was to do the same thing that I did with underground wellness, interview people and do summits and the like. However, I've gone a completely different direction. I do a daily podcast that has nothing to do with interviewing. It's just kind of when I figured out the what, the how has just unfolded for me. I've been able to trust the universe. I've been able to trust my own mind to lead me to where I want to go. And I feel like for a lot of people, that's that missing link. You know, just to, the process to understand that there is a universal process by which all things work and that you can have the vision in your mind. You can have that that image that you're holding, but it may reveal itself in a way that you never expected. And that's what that's what I want more people to know. And that's what I why I want more people to trust that the universe will always it'll always give you what you want. You know, it'll always lead you to where you want to go. Um, it just not, it may not take the roads that you expected it to take. You just have to be willing to walk it, isn't it? Yeah. One thing always leads to the next and it doesn't always unfold the way that we see it, but mm-hmm. it always unfolds, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the law, the law of attraction works. You get the what, 
you feel it as if it's already done and it'll attract all the people and all the opportunities that, you know, you need in your life in order to, to, to get whatever it is that you desire. That's how it works. It's like magic. It's magic. <laughs> magic. It's, real, it's real magic. I think Wayne Dyer wrote a book called real magic and that's what it is. It's real magic. And you, you all probably know quantum, quantum physics and, and all, I'm just starting to learn all that stuff right now and all the possibilities, the infinite possibilities that are out there. And it's just, that's the way that this thing works. We are swimming in an ocean of infinite possibilities and whatever we put out there into the universe, into that consciousness, that will become our reality. It may not be tomorrow, but if we hold it, that's what we will become. Well, you just said be patient. And I think that's one of the greatest callings that you could have given us today as well. And look, Sean, your voice is mesmerizing. Your message is captivating. And I was wondering, I've got two last Last questions for you. Number one, is there anything about you that the world doesn't know that we could share here on Up for a Chat? That's the first question. And the second question is, what would be your, your message if you could wave a magic wand to all our listeners? What would be the thing you would love them to hear? Uh, something that you don't know. Um, um, gosh, that is a tough question. I have a lot of Superman stuff around my house. I guess that'll be one thing. <laughs> when, I was, when I was a kid, I used to I used to have Superman pajamas, and I used to try to fly down the hallway. And my mom, she just sends me Superman <laughs> stuff all the time, whether it be like Superman Ziploc bags or Superman. Um, gosh, I have like Superman pajamas with the feet in them. I've got Superman hoodie, Superman shoe, Superman cookie jar, Superman uh, speedos. I just I, I have a lot of Superman stuff in my house, and so that's that's a little bit interesting. Then you said uh, a message that I want my people or your people to hear. Um, you know, I, I guess it's just if that, you could wave a magic wand. I got you. So I think it would be that your desires are valid, and I feel like. So many of us have been taught that the things that we desire, we can't have because it can't be about ourselves. It always has to be about somebody else. We've grown to disown our wants and we've been to be grown to disown our needs as well. And we've grown to feel bad when we do things for ourselves. And I feel like when you do things for yourself, it, it fulfills you. It fills you up. And when you filled up, when you're filled up because you're pursuing the things that you really want, when you're pursuing your desires, I feel that you show up to the world in a much better way. And, you know, we're all spiritual beings and spirit is where desire comes from. And that spirit will never give you a desire that you did not already have everything that you need in order to get it. And, you know, that's not only what I'm talking about. That's not only what I believe. That's what I know. It doesn't matter what it is. Whatever somebody else can do, you can do as well. And you can do more if you want to. And it's just really all about, again, creating that image, believing in yourself. Most people don't believe in themselves. That's something about me. Like, I believe in myself. I believe that whatever I want to create, I can create. Because I know that if I was put here in the image of God and God is the creator. And if I'm in his image, then I must be a creator myself. And we all have the ability to create our own lives. And so many times we abandon that ability. And it's just the greatest power to know that you have the power to choose whatever you want to create without knowing how you're going to create it. That's, that's dope to me. I love it. And so that's what I want to make sure that your, your audience knows, that you can do anything, you can create anything, and to consider your desires and your needs and your wants valid. You're amazing. And it's such an absolute privilege and honor to have you on our show. And I cannot believe you said yes to me. There is a number of people that, that I've reached out to that are very well known. And I think it's a credit to you. We're only little really. And, and considering who you speak to and what you do, what a privilege, what an honor it is for the three of us and our listeners to have you with us. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. It's been an honor and a privilege and a pleasure and all that stuff. I appreciate you having me so much. 
Sean, thank you so much from the bottom of our bottoms. I've just, I'm feeling so inspired. I've written so many notes here of everything that you've shared with us. And I know that our listeners are going to get off this podcast and they're going to question their own belief systems. They're going to question their own thoughts and they're going to start to think about, you know, what is it that I want? And if my desires are valid, as you say, because you said that with such passion. Um, if our desires are valid, then what am I desiring for myself? And I honestly think that so many of us, have, as you've said, have actually lost touch with what it is that we want because we just either become far too distracted in today's society or we don't feel we are entitled or we deserve it for whatever reason. So you have lit a fire in the bellies of all of our audiences and certainly in the three of us, Sean. Thank you so much for being a part of today's show. How can our audience follow you, find you, and hang out with you? What's the best way? My website is seancroxton.com. Jump on the email list. I have a free ebook there called The Money Mind Reset. Five Steps to Changing Your Relationship with Money. And of course, the quote of the day podcast is every day, Monday through Friday on iTunes, at my website, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, on Google Play, and all of the other various podcasting platforms. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. So for all of our listeners, if you're out running or you're in the car, don't worry. Cindy's going to have everything on the show notes for you guys when you log on to um, our Facebook page and also to the Wellness Couch. So for everybody who's tuned in today, congratulations. Well done. You have improved your life and you know it because you can feel it from the inside out. Sean Croxton has been our guest today. Make sure that you follow him. Pay attention to the information that he's sharing and find a place in your life that you can change little by little. And as Cindy says, just change one habit a day. And a little bit means a lot. So for those of you guys who are interested in making comments or have any questions about today's show, head on over to our Facebook page at all the w's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. Or you can head on over to all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. Make sure that you tune in next week right here on Up For A Chat and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. And oh my goodness, we are going to see you on the ride. Bye for now, everybody. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.